there. They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stands. Run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, Pitches it, it back to check. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got 40, it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us on this Tuesday. A lot of NFL stuff that we're hitting on you today. As promised, uh, we'll take you to the Raiders press conference from yesterday that actually happened while we were on the air. So you will hear from Mark Davis, Dave Ziegler, the new general manager, and the new head coach, Josh McDaniels. We've got plenty of audio Plenty of sound you'll hear directly from the new head coach, the general manager, and the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders on today's show. T.J. Reeves will join us from Tampa Bay, and we talk Tom Brady, the official retirement now with Tom Brady. That thing went back and forth over the course of the weekend. You know, As we know, that uh, the news got dropped on Saturday with Tom Brady. Next thing you know, ESPN, all the other outlets are... Playing his obituary, there's tributes, and all of a sudden Sunday this takes a little bit different turn. It's like, okay, is this happening or is it not happening? There's some media outlets that were saying, well, you know, maybe not. Tom Brady had not said anything himself. You had no official announcement from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then yesterday on the Let's Go uh, show with uh, Jim Gray, Larry Fitzgerald, and Tom uh, Brady, which happens each and every Monday on Sirius XM. And I made a point, I usually listen to that show uh, while I'm driving after I'm leaving the studio because the timing's really good there and usually precedes Monday Night Football. So I, I want to make sure that I listened to it yesterday. And sure enough, Tom Brady was very noncommittal, not saying anything. Hey, I'll know when I know. And even Jim Gray was alluding to, hey, you know, <laughs> did maybe some of these media outlets just jump to the chance here? And now would you like to maybe stick it to him and everyone else and say, you know what, I'm going to come back and play. And that was one of the questions that Jim Gray asked. So you'll hear from Tom Brady today. We've got that audio as well that you will hear from uh, yesterday's Let's Go uh, segment on Sirius XM. So TJ Reeves will join us next hour, and we will talk about the Tom Brady retirement. Chuck Esposito joins us as well, too, from Red Rock Station. We'll talk about the championship Sunday crowds, the betting action, the underdogs coming through once again. And yes, we have an underdog Super Bowl, as we talked about yesterday, with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Nearly two weeks now to hype it up. We have all that covered for you, of course, with our astounding award-winning football crew, including Steve Berline today, Steve Berline from CBS, and the former quarterback himself, uh, who joins us each and every week. He will jump on board today as we start an early preview of Rams-Bengals Super Bowl 56. And we know Steve has been a big advocate for Joe Burrow. And I know that we're going to hear some more 
Joe Burrow praise today. And I know he was all over the Bengals from last week, as he talked about. And he's also like this Rams team. He likes Matt Stafford. So it's a Steve Berline Super Bowl I'm calling down in Los Angeles because he's been on both of these teams from the outset. Not many people have been on both of these teams, uh, including myself. Uh, definitely not on the Bengals bandwagon at all. So we'll continue to examine this, and we'll see if the Cinderella run for the Bengals comes to an end, or does it continue on the home field of the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium for Super Bowl 56? So uh, strange, isn't it? 54 Super Bowls, not a home team playing in its own stadium, and then now 55 and 56 last year in Tampa. The Bucks not only play, but they win. So I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there or a lot of people that use that omen as a betting example. Okay, that means the Rams are definitely going to win because the Buccaneers did it. Well, if the Rams beat the Bengals, it's going it's to be because of Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd in that defense, Jalen Ramsey. That's what, that's what it's going to be. And can they get to Joe Burrow? Because if they can get to Joe Burrow and put a sack attack on him like the Tennessee Titans did and do a better job what the Kansas City Chiefs did last week, then the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl and they could win going away. But, hey, this has been a great NFL season. It's been full of upsets. It's been full of comebacks. And you just look back at the last two weekends. Tremendous. Phenomenal. I mean, the six games that we had talked about just been outrageous. And uh, we'll see if a Super Bowl will live up to what we saw in the divisional round. And even going back to the... A super wild card weekend. But that divisional round, phenomenal with those four games. And then the championship Sunday last weekend, both games, underdogs come through in two more exciting games where the uh, margin of victory again is three, a field goal, like it's been for the last few weeks. So crazy stuff. All right, let's get today's program kicked off with the Raiders press conference yesterday. Like we said, uh, it was happening as uh, we were on the air yesterday. We told you we'd bring you that sound. We got plenty of it today. Uh, again, Mark Davis held the press conference, announced Dave Ziegler as their new general manager, the director of uh, player personnel in New England. He started back in Denver in 2010, was with New England last year, and then we get the tag team with Josh Daniels, the New England Patriots offensive coordinator for 18 years. He's been with the Patriots uh, organization, six Super Bowls, under his watch as an offensive coordinator. Uh, remember, stepped away to be a head coach at Denver, then went over to St. Louis uh, for a year as well before coming back to Bill Belichick's crew to be the offensive coordinator again over the last nine years. So Josh McDaniels, your new head coach for the Raiders. Here is Mark Davis talking uh, about the 2021 season. Um, as you all know, 2021 was quite a season for the Raiders. Um, ups and downs. But uh, in October, we got shook to the core when our head coach resigned uh, five games into the season. And at that time, we had to make a quick, quick decision on who was going to lead the Raider team that John and Mike Mayock had built for this season. And uh, after careful consideration, we chose Rich Passaccia, the special teams coach, number one, because we felt it would be less distraction uh, than taking, uh, say, Gus Bradley from defense or maybe Tom Cable from offensive line. And uh, despite the fact that we didn't get where we wanted to get to this year, and that's the Super Bowl this week, I'm so proud, and they should be so proud of the job that they did. 
um, with all the uh, chaos, and I will call it chaos, going around the team, not only with the things that were going on off the field, but on the field as well, uh, COVID and everything else, um, they truly went the Raider way. And I'm just, I'm really so grateful to Rich Bisacci and the rest of the coaching staff for what they did. Um, when John resigned, we immediately went into another uh, aspect, and that was to start uh, checking into who we thought might be coaching candidates and potentially GM candidates, if that were going to be the case, if we can go that way. And uh, we put together quite a list. And when the uh, season ended, we decided we wouldn't start our process of interviewing until the uh, champ the, the uh, playoffs were over for us. So once we finished our final game, we put together a, uh, a committee, which consisted of Dan Ventrelli, Tom Delaney, myself, and a fellow by the name of Ken Harrock, who was actually the ringleader of this. And we had about uh, 12 people that we brought in. We initially started, the first person we interviewed was Rich Bisaccia. It was a five-hour interview. It was fantastic. Rich was great. Um, then we went into doing uh, general managers. And uh, so we went through that process uh, with uh, Ken actually asking the questions, us listening. And then near the end of the each interview, we would in interject our questions as well. We uh, think that the process was well done. It was extensive, exhaustive. And uh, today, I'd like to introduce the new general manager of the Las Vegas Raiders from, uh, was it, uh, oh man, I'm losing it, uh, that, which college? John Carroll University, and, and that's Dave Ziegler. All right, uh, there's uh, Mark Davis, and I thought it was important to play that, so fans actually got to hear Mark Davis talk about what transpired during this 2021 season regarding the John Gruden situation and everything else that transpired, and he wanted to give Rich Passaccia uh, the credit that he deserves as well, too. And I think we all know deep down inside, and we talked about it before, that Rich Passaccia was not going to be the head coach. Again, this guy's been in the league for 20 years, never been a head coach. He's a special teams guy, and yes, he was the right guy to go ahead and put a Band-Aid on this thing. And so I thought it was important to let people hear from Mark Davis, because Mark hasn't addressed this at all during the course of the last few months when all this uh, transpired, this chaotic 2021 season. But despite all that, you know, the Raiders got to the playoffs as the number five seed, and they had a very good season, a 10-win season. But uh, it, it's it, Mark Davis wanted to make sure that he interviewed Rich Passaccia and gave him a, like he said, a five-hour interview and uh, to give him that courtesy as well, too. So, again, important to, to hear from Mark Davis regarding what happened last year. Now we get into uh, Dave Ziegler as well as Josh McDaniels. Uh, here's Dave Ziegler with his uh, introductory thoughts. Watching outside of the room. Um, first, I want to thank Mark and, and the committee um, that was involved in the hiring process. It was a very thorough process, um, a detailed process, and I know they interviewed a lot of quality candidates. Um, so... It's really an honor for them to select me as the next general manager of the Las Vegas Raiders and to represent Raider Nation. Mark's passion for the Raiders, his commitment to 
my beliefs and what's important to me to, to, to make this um, organization, a uh, championship caliber, caliber organization, and his commitment to, um, to winning and his energy made this job highly desirable for me and my family. The stadium, the facilities, the weight room, the training room, the locker room, I could go on and on. Um, it, it, it really is, it harkens back to a phrase made famous by um, the late Al Davis. Um, there really is a commitment to excellence when you walk into this building and when you walk into this stadium. The, phrase, the phrase commitment to excellence resonates uh, with many of my core beliefs and a lot of the foundational pieces um, that will be important to building a championship culture here. We'll be an organization that lives in the details. No task will be too small. Every task will be measured with the same standard of excellence. We will hire excellent people that are driven by team and that are loyal to our cause. We'll strive to have high-end communication at all levels of the organization, which takes effort and takes time to build. We'll be demanding, but never demeaning. We'll invest in the growth of our employees and have them reach their goals. The fabric of our culture will be to evaluate and evolve consistently and constantly our processes and our people to make sure that we are always operating at a championship level. Being committed to the standard of excellence is going to occur from the top down, and it's what, we'll take, it's what it will take to build this organization into an organization that consistently competes for championships. I must thank the Patriot organization, Robert, Jonathan Kraft, um, for their first class treatment of me and my family. Of course, Bill Belichick, uh, who has been a great teacher for, to me um, in all things football. And Nick Casario, who uh, I've known for a very long time, who brought me to New England, who taught me many of the ins and outs of the scouting system that I believe in today. In closing, it is an honor to represent Raider Nation in this historic franchise. And there will be one focus from here going forward. And simply put, it will be to just win, baby. Thank you. All right, throw in the just win, baby. All right, Dave Ziegler, a lot of audio, a lot of sound that we're going to play for you here during this segment. Mark Davis uh, speaking a little bit more now as he introduces the new Raiders head coach. Um, before we get into questions and everything, there's somebody else I'd like to introduce, and that's the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders from John Carroll University, <laughs> Mr. Josh McDaniel. There it is, Mark Davis introducing Josh McDaniel. Oh, by the way, John Carroll University is in Ohio. A lot of people might not know that. Oh, the Blue Streaks, by the way. That's what they're called. But a big, big NFL uh, pipeline there with John Carroll. So both Ziegler and McDaniels, they were actually teammates uh, at John Carroll back in the day. All right, here is uh, the Raiders head coach, Josh McDaniels. Not here, and join us online. I appreciate you uh, uh, being here. Um, I'd like to begin uh, by thanking Mr. Davis, uh, Dan Ventrelli, um, the entire Raiders organization. Um, it's, it's been an incredible uh, experience for me the last three or four days here, uh, getting to, to know the people in the organization. Um, you know, it's, it's been a thorough process. They've been very candid. Um, I, I understand the vision 
uh, that, that they have in mind. Uh, that's been clear from the beginning, uh, what they're looking for. Um, seeing the stadium, the facility, uh, and again, every person that I've met thus far, uh, you can tell uh, where this organization is headed, uh, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, I'm also excited to partner with uh, Dave Ziegler, uh, who is not only a friend of mine, but uh, we go back a long way, and uh, uh, I have a great deal of respect for him, uh, his ability to, uh, to do the job that, that he's been hired to do here, uh, evaluate, lead our personnel and scouting department. Um, you know, he's a hard worker, tireless in his effort to, to do anything that he can to help the football team win, uh, and I'm excited to, to join uh, in our vision together. Um, I would also uh, like to thank the New England Patriots uh, organization, uh, Robert, Jonathan Kraft, uh, Coach Belichick. Um, 18 years, uh, I was very fortunate to learn and grow uh, in a world-class organization, a first-class uh, environment. Um, learned so many things from them. Um, feel fortunate that me and my family were able to go through that experience. Um, and, and now uh, here I am today. The last 10 to 12 years, uh, I've really had an opportunity to grow as a person, as a coach, as a man, um, and try to figure out, um, you know, after my experiences uh, in Denver and, and St. Louis, um, who I am, uh, how I wanted to be defined uh, in my career, uh, what I wanted to represent, and how I would lead the next time if I, if I got another opportunity uh, to be a head coach. And... I've, I've, you know, it's crystallized for me. I'm clear in the vision that I have uh, for this role, for this job, for this team, um, and I'm going to be myself. Uh, and I think that's really important uh, for me um, and, and our organization as we go forward. Um, I'm the son of a football coach, and uh, I, you know, I don't apologize for that. I knew I wanted to do this uh, since I was four or five years old, and. Um, I love everything about this game. I love the practices. I love the weight room. I love the film study. Um, I love the winning and losing, even though nobody wants to lose. Uh, that's how you get better in this game. Um, and all the challenges that are presented in terms of trying to reach your ultimate goal in this profession, uh, all of those things are uh, part of the process. And if you didn't love a part of that process, uh, it, would, it would be a problem. And I love to work hard. I'm going to be committed to the cause, which has been made very clear to me. I know it's clear to Dave. Um, I value character, hard work, loyalty. Um, those are really important things to me. Um, and I also think that it's really important, as I've grown uh, and understand now, how important it is to evolve, uh, to innovate, uh, to do new things, to try to figure out new ways uh, for us to uh, continue to try to be the best. Um, a wise man once told me that when you're young, you try to accumulate and advance. And when you get older, uh, you figure out that it's a lot more about serving and impacting others. And I think I've gone through both phases. And I learned a lot through my experiences. And now I'm excited to have that opportunity uh, to consistently impact other people. And I'm competitive. Um, and everything that I, that I do and I'm involved in, I want to compete to try to be the best we can, we can be. Um, I think we'll, uh, our team will show that uh, day in and day out. I think that's the best way for us to reach our, our, our potential uh, is to compete in, in every aspect of, of our organization. Um, the mission here, uh, Mr. Davis has made it very clear to me. Um, we're committed to doing whatever it takes uh, to win on and off the field. It's very important for us. 
to be a pillar in the community, uh, to do the right thing, to represent uh, this organization, Raider Nation, uh, the city of Las Vegas with class and integrity, uh, and we'll do that. Um, we're going to build a culture that is sustained <clears throat> by high-character people uh, that work hard uh, to meet that championship standard in every area. Um, we want a tough, smart football team that's explosive, um, that's important, <laughs> that, can, that, can adapt, that can adapt in today's NFL. I think that's really important. Um, you can't beat uh, every team the same way, and, and we're going to need to be adaptable. Um, I, I, you know, uh, the, the organization itself has, has, like I said, made such an impression on me in such a short time, and we're going to represent that organization the right way. Um, there'll be one rope, and from Mr. Davis on down, we're going to pull it in the same direction. And we have one goal, and if we're all pulling in the same direction, uh, we can accomplish a lot of great things. Uh, there will be a million moments um, that contribute to the success of this organization, and uh, this will, will be the first one. Um, to our players and fans, uh, we're committed uh, in our pursuit of excellence. Whatever we have to do uh, to achieve our goals, uh, we're going to put our head down. We're going to work hard. Uh, we're going to put great people uh, in this building in every area. Uh, we're going to do what it takes uh, for us to achieve, um, you know, that vision. Um, and in closing, um, you know, I've, I've, I feel blessed uh, to, the, to the people that have impacted me along the way. Uh, starting with my mom and dad, uh, my family uh, have played such an important role in me being here today. Um, I've been patient. I've been selective, um, maybe to a fault sometimes. Uh, people wanted me to do things uh, a little earlier than maybe I did them. Um, but it was going to take a special place uh, for me to, uh, to really leave where I was. And I found that here uh, in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I, I thank Mr. Davis again for having the faith uh, in me to, to lead this team as the head coach. Uh, and I know that the greatness of the Raiders is in its future, and I can't wait to get started. All right, there he is, Josh McDaniels, with his introductory uh, press conference uh, saying how much he wanted to be here, uh, connected with uh, Mark Davis, loved the history here, saying all the right things. Uh, Mark Davis had one more thing that he wanted to add talking about his first encounter with Josh McDaniels. Before we get to questions, I just want to say one thing. When I met Josh on Saturday, um, we, we met in the hallway as we were passing. It was before the uh, interview process was going to start. And uh, I said, hey, I introduced myself and everything. And he said, he looked me in the eye and he said, there's one thing. It was a fumble. <laughs> so Raider Nation, if you're worried, he's already come over to the dark side. <laughs> All right, there is Mark Davis having a little fun uh, with uh, Josh McDaniel. Do- Josh McDaniel backed that up and said, yep, you know, before the interview got started, he wanted to clearly state that, of course, he's talking about the tuck rule game, that it was a fumble. So got that out of the way. All right, more from Josh McDaniels talking about why he was so interested in the Raiders. When you, when you go through this process, um, I w- like I said, I was very impressed with how exhaustive they were um, just in their evaluation um, of me um, and my fit and how I would fit into their vision. Um, and then you come out and you spend time with them. You meet the people. Uh, you see that everything's done in a first-class manner. Um, their commitment to winning is easy to feel, to see. Um, and to me, walking through this building and having a sense of the history and tradition of this organization and how much that impacts, um, you know, the day-to-day here 
um, it really hit me. Um, this is one of those iconic places, and it's a historic organization um, that has unbelievable history and tradition. Um, you know, and it's in every hallway. And so I just, you know, getting to know them, feeling their commitment, and understanding that that, that really married up with what my vision uh, would be for another opportunity, uh, it was easy to make the choice. All right, Joshua Daniels talking about why the Raiders and talking about uh, his time there in Denver, which a lot of people uh, are, are going to continue to question for a long time until he can prove to be a winning head coach. Here's more of Mark Davis talking about why he selected the tag team of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler from New England. You know, I've been watching Josh for, for many years for certain reasons other than maybe good ones at times. Um <laughs> The, the success of the uh, Patriots and watching them over the years, um, I've seen them do it with Tom Brady, of course, the greatest of all time, but I also saw the development of Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. And then I saw it with Matt Castle. I saw him be able to win with him and make Matt Castle the hottest free agent commodity in the market. Then I saw him do it uh, this year with a rookie quarterback. I've just always seen the Patriots as a team that not only adapts from week to week or half to half, but maybe even series to series. Um, I just believe in Josh's uh, ability to assess the situation and make the changes in real time. And that's always been something that's impressed me. On the, on the, uh, the side of Dave, with their personnel and everything, it's a lot of no names that they do it with. And every now and then, you know, they'll bring in a, a big-name free agent, but he fits a spot. And that kind of reminded me of the old Raiders in that way, that we used to be able to do that. And I tease him because uh, they, they took a player from us, a guy by the name of Randy Moss. And I told him, you got Randy Moss, and he couldn't even win with him. And, and the funny part about that is they won 18 games, but they lost one. <laughs> but um, I really just, you know, again, in watching it and being around this, this, this sport for a long time, and watching the excellence that, that was brought to the, to, to the field by the Patriot organization and knowing that Josh was a huge part of that and talking to people that are also part of the Patriot organization that I know in my network of people, I got the feeling that this was the right guy. All right, people want to know why he went the Patriots' way. Why did he get uh, those two guys from that organization? I think Mark Davis explained that uh, perfectly. More from the new head coach, Josh McDaniels, uh, when talking about Derek Carr. Is, a, is he going to be the quarterback for the Raiders in the future? <clears throat> Derek's won a lot of games in this league, and we've played against, uh, we've competed against each other a number of times, and I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, he certainly uh, did a good job this year uh, leading their offense, and um, you know, I spoke with him yesterday. We had a great conversation. Looking forward to actually getting to meet him and get to know him as a person, as a human being, uh, and then getting to work, you know, uh, in terms of developing our offense this year into what it's going to be. But there's no question that um, we have the capacity and capability of winning uh, with Derek here. Uh, we all know that. And I look forward to the challenge of trying to grow uh, not only Derek, but, you know, everybody on the roster to try to reach our potential. I never feel like a player, um, you know, is a finished product. And our job as coaches is to continue to identify places where we might be able to get better and work hard uh, to try to improve. And I know he's completely on board with that. Again, we had a great conversation, and, and I look forward to, to, to our relationship. And it makes sense. I mean, Derek Carr is, you know, some people say he's 
one of the top quarterbacks in the National Football League. Wouldn't go that far, but is he a top 10 quarterback? Yes, he is. And until you have a better quarterback, that's who you're going to go with. So Josh McDaniels, thoughts on that? Obviously, all those years working with Tom Brady, uh, the development of Mac Jones, only one year there in New England with that. We'll see what Josh McDaniels can do uh, with Derek Carr. And for Derek Carr, he's going to learn another playbook. And that has been the scenario for him in nearly his 10 years in the National Football League. A little bit more from the GM, Dave Ziegler. I know Josh talked to Derek. I had a great conversation with Derek myself yesterday. And, you know, I think the one thing that, that um, you know, we all understand is, is there's going to be a process of us learning Derek, Derek learning us, um, and, and fitting all those pieces together. And I think that's going to be step one is building the relationship, understanding um, what Derek does well, um, Derek understanding what, what Josh and the offensive staff is trying to build. And I think as that collaboration goes, um, you know, then you kind of see how everything fits together. And I think until you see how everything, you know, you have to see how everything fits together and, and kind of work from that point. And, and we're just really excited to um, have Derek here and, and to get to know him and, and get to know his strengths and um, get to work with him in our system. All right, Dave Ziegler, the new general manager. More from Josh McDaniels talking about what he learned from his time in Denver as a head coach. You know, when I went to Denver, um, you know, I, I, I knew a little bit of football. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really know people uh, and how important that aspect um, of, of this process and maintaining the culture and building the team uh, was. And, um, and, I, and I failed, and I didn't, you know, I didn't succeed at it. And so um, looking at that experience has been one of the best uh, things uh, in my life in terms of my overall growth as a, as a person, as a coach. What do I need to do different? How do I need to handle my role if I have another opportunity uh, and do better at it? And I feel like that's really a, an area that I've tried to grow in with our staff um, in New England. Um, you know, our offensive staff working together, collaborating, supporting one another, uh, impacting them, serving them, helping them grow as coaches, as players, uh, with our with our with our guys, uh, you know that we're coaching. So um, that's the biggest. I would say that's the biggest area for me, uh, and I know how important it is as a head coach to be able to do that. All right, and here's Josh McDaniels talking about learning from Bill Belichick and his time in New England with the Patriots. Law. That's a long list. Um, look, he's he's been. I'm, I'm. I'm. As I mentioned, I'm blessed and fortunate to have had the experiences that I have. Um, I started in personnel. You know, back in 2001, when Laura made quite quite a bit more money than than I was making, and um, and and just he he made you develop in every area as a as a professional in this environment, and gave us the opportunity to see the scouting side, gave us the opportunity uh, to work on. De- I had the opportunity to work on defense, you know, then flipped me over to the offensive side and, and had me. Um, you know, coach the quarterback and, and kind of I saw the game, you know, in a lot of different perspectives. And I was able to, in, you know, what I felt like was that's a really well-rounded approach um, as you're growing up in this game to have some understanding of what is the grading system? What does it mean? Um, how do they attack us on offense when you're on defense? And then flip, flipping it over to the offensive side and, and understanding that and then, you know, tying it all together with situational football and game management 
um, which is obviously a critical component to winning every game in the NFL. I mean, you, you lose a lot more games than you win uh, in this league, and if you can do some of those things really well, obviously that's going to impact your opportunity to win. So um, there's so many that I, I couldn't name them all, but, I mean, uh, you know, he just he gave me an opportunity to be well-rounded coming out of the organization, uh, and I'm very grateful for that. All right, there's your Raiders' new head coach, Josh McDaniels, talking about his experience, talking about what he learned from Bill Belichick, and hopefully this works out for the Raiders. One more from Dave Ziegler, your general manager, talking about his assessment of the Raiders' personnel and what his plan of attack is with the roster and the upcoming draft. You know, obviously this, the, the team um, did a good job, right? They got into the playoffs, and um, there's a lot of talented players on this team. Um, and I, and I think, you know, Josh and I have talked about it. There's still a lot of, you know, I've evaluated the, you know, I've evaluated the team to a degree, um, to the detail that, that, that I would normally do. I'm not there yet. Um, so I think to, to be fair, to be fair to the team and and to the guys onto the team, I think, you know, there's still a a self scout and an evaluation period that, that I have to go through, um, with our staff here with Josh to really understand how all the pieces and the parts fit together. And I think, you know, once we go through that process and once we have that understanding, um, you know, we'll have a much better idea of, of what our plan of attack is going to be going forward, um, not that I'm going to announce that to the world, um, but but we'll but we'll have that plan and, and we'll have that um, a concrete idea of what that is. And I think you know that's still going to take some time. All right, there he is, Dave Ziegler, hearing from him on his assessment of the Raiders personnel and him and Josh McDaniels about ready to get to work. Finally, we'll close this with Mark Davis and Mark Davis wrapping things up and talking about how important it was for him to find a general manager and a head coach who could be on the same page and have worked together. And here's Mark also talking about the past. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, when I first came in, uh, the first hire I did was uh, Reggie McKenzie as the general manager of the Raiders. And uh, it was important to me because we really hadn't had a general manager since my father had been running the team. And uh, I gave Reggie the ability to bring in his own head coach, which was the ability to have a con- uh, some type of uh, working relationship. And uh, that didn't work out so well at that time. I think it was because they were two young young guys that were working together, but they really didn't have the experience to run a football team. Uh, then we, we come to the next, the next iteration was John and, and Mike Mayock. And uh, they built the roster that's here today, but it was a rocky road. And uh, so I felt in this, in this, time, we were going to do it a little bit differently and try to find a teammate. And therefore, in every interview that we did with a head coach, we asked him who he would think of as a general manager or general managers. And on the other side of the coin, we asked that to every general manager as well. Who would you think of as a head coach? And uh, it was such an expanding learning process hearing about all those things, but we felt that it was really important for them to have synergy. And uh, I couldn't have found a better pair of people working together from Chong Carroll University. Well, I, I think that John and Mike had built a uh, foundation to build upon, and I think that's what we're doing now, and I think moving forward, that's what these two are going to be building upon, that foundation. Uh, we've got some great players in this organization right now. Um, I believe there's a great culture in this organization right now, which is what they will find. They haven't seen that as much yet because they haven't seen all the players together, but that's something that Rich had built uh, over the last six months, is a fantastic culture in this building, and uh, I think that uh, just 
Now we're just moving to the next level. And that, it's not a rebuild. It's not a reload. It's just taking this to the next level and uh, getting to that Super Bowl and winning some championships. All right, Mark Davis, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels from yesterday's press conference. Uh, you heard it uh, right from them. And the bottom line is Mark Davis saw the Patriot way. He saw the success that uh, this organization has had. And, you know, that starts at the, at the top, obviously, with Robert Kraft and then to, down to Bill Belichick, and he got two guys. But the questions will begin now. You're taking two guys with very little or no experience in their respective jobs. Dave Ziegler has never been a general manager before. Been a director of player personnel. Worked his way up the chain. Was at the very, very bottom. You know, going back to 2010 with Denver. Josh McDaniels had one shot at being a head coach. Failed miserably in two seasons with the Denver Broncos. So the questions will begin. Uh, Mark Davis, you got to take him for his word that he went through the process. Went through all of those people that uh, he knows very, very well and did a thorough job. And he's hoping that these two guys, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, can work well together. They can preserve the Raiders' history, but they can go about their business kind of the way they did in New England. And we will find out uh, how this works out. And as we pointed out a couple different times yesterday, the Bill Belichick coaching tree, not successful at all of the seven previous head coaches, and McDaniels being one of them, have all Below 500 records. I believe Bill O'Brien was, what, 52 and 48, but everybody else below 500. So, yes, the questions will begin. These guys will start evaluating the talent, the roster, get ready for the draft, get ready for free agency, and the offseason now, uh, it's underway, which means these guys' jobs begin right now in trying to continue the success, continue the success that this team had in 2021, and uh, hopefully they can take it to another level. But... Again, the Mike Mayock, John Gruden era is over. The McDaniel-Ziegler era is underway. All right, we come back. Steve Berline's going to join us. We'll get his uh, thoughts uh, regarding the Raiders' moves. And we talk about Championship Sunday, going back to the Cincinnati defeating Kansas City, and, of course, the Rams beating the Niners, and a look ahead to Super Bowl 56. Get wrecked with the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, back at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on Friday. Come on out, see the show live as we do our thing each and every Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. Oh, yeah. Always a good time with our NFL crew, handicappers. Don't forget, best bets. Not this week. Got to wait next week because we got that dead week. But a lot of college basketball that we will be talking about this weekend at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Come on by, see the show live, and, of course, dive into some of the great food options at the Cosmopolitan as well, too. So we'll be there each and every Friday, as you well know. All right, uh, you heard from Josh McDaniels, Mark Davis, Dave, Zie- Dave Ziegler there in the in the, the, the last segment, and now uh, we move on to our quarterback extraordinaire from uh, CBS Sports, of course, the one and only Steve Burline. What's going on, my man? What do you say, TC? Whew, I so much going on, man. It's it's so much going on here, man. As you know, it's uh, we got a new uh, head coach, a new general manager. Oh, by the way, we got this thing called the Pro Bowl, the NHL All Star Game, the East West Shrine Game. Yeah, a little busy time here in Las Vegas, as you well know. Yeah, I mean, uh, where else would you want to be? Yeah, well, 
Here, exactly. You know, me, uh, cosmopolitan, yeah, eating right some food. That's, that's where I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with you, man? So I want to get your take. I've, I was singing the praises of you earlier on when we came on today because Steve Berline has called this Cincinnati Bengals love affair, this Joe Burrow show, uh, the Bengals getting it, getting it done, and on the other side, the Rams, because you had said from the beginning that you liked the squad, you believed that Matthew Stafford was going to lead him to the promised land, and lo and behold, my friend, uh, I, you're two for two here. Uh, two teams that you've been on for a long time are facing off the Super Bowl, so uh, kudos to Steve Berline. No question. Well, thank, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, I, I wish uh, – thank you. I'm bowing right now. Right, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Wait for the leprechaun. I wish that I could say that the, the Bengals were my, my choice um, to, to make it to the Super Bowl all the way through. I, I really thought – Well, I'm not giving you that be much job. love because none of us thought that was going to happen. But you're right. But you have been saying, watch out for this team. Watch out for Joe Burrow. Picked Buffalo and the Rams to meet in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and uh, I still believe Buffalo was the best team in the AFC. Uh, that was that game from you know last week was crazy. But uh, you cannot minimize uh, the impact that Joe Burrow has. And I've, I've, as you said, I've been a huge fan of the Bengals. I really thought they were uh, a year away. I, I didn't. I didn't think that they would be able to go into. Kansas City and come out with that win, but I said I wouldn't be surprised because Joe Burrow is one of those people that that just seems to absolutely just thrive in the spotlight, in the big moments, and it, it just happens again and again and again. He never gets rattled. He never looks like he's doing anything other than just having a good time, and uh, I think that attitude is contagious. I think his teammates know and really believe that they have something special in him and you know when they're down 18 points uh and then 11 luckily it was only 11 at the half uh against kansas city i believe that that defense basically took it on this i would have loved to have been in that locker room but i can guarantee you there was something probably that happened such as this where that defense said joe we're going to get the ball for you we know you're going to get it done we're going to go out there and make it happen this second half you know, that first half, we made it too easy on Mahomes. They scored touchdowns on their first three drives, and they almost scored there at the end of the half. But we're going to get that ball back for you, and you do your stuff. And and I'm sure something like that happened mm-hmm. at halftime, and that's exactly what did happen in that second half. That defense turned it up, and Joe Burrow just kept finding ways to make the plays, whether it was his arm or with his feet, those great runs that he made. Uh, just a spectacular effort on behalf of that whole team, but specifically Joe Burrow, obviously. You know, that game was a tale of two halves. And you mentioned a Chiefs score on the first three drives, and we thought they were going to score on their fourth drive right before halftime when they had first and goal from the one, and then, you know, they couldn't get it in. And, And for me, that game really turned right then and there because it gave the Bengals hope. But my question for you, Steve, and you're looking at Patrick Mahomes from the quarterback position here, why did he look so good in the first half and so miserable in the second half? Because he did not look like the same guy, did not look like that former MVP that we saw. I mean, I don't know if it was nerves, it was tense. I mean, he was on his home field. He's he's playing in front. I don't know. Patrick Mahomes in the second half compared to the first, totally different. Why? 
That's a great question. I, I wish I had an answer, but I, on our show, the NFL Monday QB that we had yesterday kind of summarizing all this stuff, I, my question I asked was who was it in Patrick Mahomes' uniform in that second half? Because it wasn't the Patrick Mahomes that we not only had seen in the first half of that game, but he had won 11 straight games and, and was playing at a very high level after a very difficult first seven games of the year. There were three and four after seven games, but then from that point, Patrick Mahomes was playing at a different level. But uh, I, I, there were so many things that didn't make sense. Now, first off, you do have to give credit to the Bengals. I mean, they made some plays, and they, they stepped up and shut them down in third-down situations, forced punts. Uh, but but what Mahomes did, you know, with those two interceptions, the first one, you know, he's, he, he's got to be able to get that ball around or over that defensive lineman. It happens once in a while. But, you know, in a big game, those are difference makers. And you combine that with what happened on the last play of the first half, like you said, no points. Uh, and then you look at the – the he almost cost them the game in regulation. When he was running around in circles for nine seconds, uh, you know, they're in field goal range. And he takes – he almost – he fumbles the ball. And if, if uh, Cincinnati had recovered that, the game would have been over at that point. But fortunately for him, they, they you know, the Chiefs recovered. They kicked the field goal. And then he throws a, a really poor, ill-advised. It was a good pass, you know. Tariq, uh, I mean, you know, uh, whatever his name is, I can't remember. Uh, Hill is it Hill? Tyreek Hill? Um, what, what, yeah. What you talking about on the uh, yeah, interception or what? Interception. He made a good throw to him, but he threw it in double coverage. Right. And the defense made a great play on it. And so you, you can't do that in that situation. Uh, you know, you punt the ball, you try to pin him back in their own end of the field. Uh, you don't give him a short field there by trying to make a circus play. Uh, so, so Patrick Mahomes really squarely responsible for what happened in the second half of that game. He stopped making plays with his feet as far as you know picking up first downs and tucking the ball and running, uh, and he just he just really froze up. I don't know what to blame it on. He's been in the big moment many times. He's shown he can do it many times. He just had a really bad second half and made some some dumb decisions. So I want to go back to that final drive of regulation. And when it was three and out, three and out, three and out, the second half, it was, it was dismal. And then, so does more of this go on Patrick Mahomes for, for that, or is it Andy Reid with the play calling? Because, Steve, they had the ball first and goal at the five. And it was like, okay, the Chiefs are back. They marched right down the field and, and chewed up the last six minutes. And it really seemed like, you know, they were playing for a field goal. They're down three, but you have first and goal at the five, pounded in there, and it really looked like they were playing not to lose at this time. They were playing for a field goal, which I didn't understand, and then they end up having to hit a 44-yard field goal for what you said, you know, going backwards, running around, and then and fumbling the ball, but it just looked like once they got inside the 20, they just shut it down. What was up with that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and, you know, you could talk about, and Eddie Reed has, has had this issue, you know, it's kind of it's kind of trailed him uh, at several points during his career as a head coach, the the management at the end of halves, at the end of games, you know, whether it's with just overall clock management or decision making, you know, running, uh, you know, plays that don't make sense at the wrong time. Um, I don't know what I don't know who to blame as far as that goes, but I do know that Patrick Mahomes knows enough about playing football that in that situation on the third down play when 
when it's not there and there's no free uh, place to extend the play and look for someone down the field, you throw that football into the bleachers. And you don't even take a chance on, on giving up that field goal. Uh, they wanted to win the game. They, they're always trying to score touchdowns. That was their mentality, I'm sure. Uh, but they, they just didn't execute. And Mahomes almost screwed it up completely. Fortunately, they got it to overtime. And then, of course, they did screw it up uh, very quickly after that. Who had the bigger choke job, in your opinion, or the bigger collapse? Was it Mahomes and the Chiefs or Garoppolo and the Niners? Oh, it was Mahomes and the Chiefs, for sure. I mean, uh, I think everybody knew that the Rams were going were gonna to have a chance to win that game at the end. I, I, I've been on the Stafford bandwagon all year. I had zero doubt. I was never really worried as to whether or not they were going to get back in that game and have a chance to win it. Um, and, and that would not have been nearly as monumental an upset as what the Cincinnati Bengals did. Number one, just to win in Arrowhead when you're a number four seed. Uh, and number two, uh, you know, to come back from 18 points down in Arrowhead. That was absolutely unfathomable to anybody that was watching that game, except the most ardent of ardent Bengals fans that, you know, that have been hoping for, you know, 80 years or whatever it's been. Uh, but, but good for them. They came back and did it. It was an incredible win for the Bengals. Let's not put this on. Uh, on Mahomes and the Chiefs, you know, you know, uh, coughing it up. Let's put it on the Bengals, just just being a team of destiny and and finding a way to earn their way to the Super Bowl. Steve Berline uh, joins us, uh, CBS Sports, and his Monday uh, NFL Monday Quarterback Show, along with uh, Trent Green and Rich Gannon, uh, three o'clock Pacific on the CBS Sports Network. Uh, Steve, I want to talk to you more about the Super Bowl and stuff like that, and we'll hit you next week as we got you know two weeks to hype this thing up. But I, I want to get your thoughts on the Raiders' moves. Uh, Mark Davis held the press conference yesterday. He names Josh McDaniels a head coach, and then Dave Ziegler from New England, the Patriot way. Neither one of these guys really have uh, experience in their current role. We know McDaniels had you know two miserable seasons there in Denver, which you're very familiar with, uh, and then Ziegler's never been a GM. Uh, what are your thoughts about this hire? Well, you know, I, I know that, that Mark Davis knows the magnitude of these hires, and uh, I know he, he's been laser-focused on it since, uh, the debacle happened with John Gruden, and uh, they made the decision not to retain uh, Mayock. So um, I know he's done his research thoroughly. I know Mark Davis well enough to know that uh, the way he's run this, this operation since he took over, everything is, is with the, uh, the overall best interest of what the Raiders need for that particular time. Uh, I'm not saying he's made all the perfect decisions, obviously, but I know how seriously he takes it. I know how passionately he wants to win. And I think the Josh McDaniel hire is, uh, is fantastic. Uh, I think he's going to be a great fit for, for Derek Carr. You look at what uh, he's done with uh, similar quarterbacks in style to David Carr, or to Derek Carr, excuse me. Um, you know, Derek is a pocket guy with a, a, a very great accuracy, a good relief, you know, good, good ability to push the ball up the field. Um, you know, limited mobility, but but he's very comfortable in the pocket going through his reads. Uh, what what Josh McDaniel did with Tom Brady obviously speaks for itself. And what he did with one year with Mac Jones was uh, really, really impressive. So I think Derek Carr is going to flourish 
Uh, I think the offense will in general. I hope it goes really well for Josh McDaniel. I can't really talk about Ziegler that much, uh, but I know he comes from that Patriot uh, uh, system, and, and uh, they've had tremendous success. So uh, let's see if he can put it together for our Raiders. All right, we'll see what happens. All right, uh, Steve Berline, uh, the quarterback, uh, breaking it down for us, and we'll talk uh, more about the Super Bowl next week. Rams, Bengals, the Cinderella story. We'll see if it can uh, continue. And again, we'll keep an eye also on the Raiders uh, situation here uh, as the draft will approach for agency, and uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. Uh, and uh, I know that's that's close to your heart, my friend, being a former Raider, and like you said, knowing Mark Davis and coming back, you know, uh, as part of this alumni, uh, it's an important franchise to you. So appreciate your thoughts, brother. Uh, we'll let you get back to whatever you're doing. Soccer game today, soccer dad on display, who knows what. I do have a soccer game today at 4.30, so I'll be heading over. There you go. All right, my man. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. And and, and make your Super Bowl plan, Steve Berline. we got parties going on. All right, you got a couple weeks, so you know, come and surprise me here. All right? I may, I may come out and surprise you this weekend. You never know. Oh, get the golf clubs ready. There we go. <laughs> give me, give All right, me, man. Give, give me a, no, a little bit of notice, and it's good. All right, brother. Take care. Take there he care, is. Bye. Steve Berline joins us. All right. We come back. Chuck Esposito. We'll talk about the betting perspective. And then we go to Tampa Bay. T.J. Reeves. As we talk, Tom Brady making that retirement official. Entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. I had an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh... prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why is it funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about anything. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me? Yeah, I don't know. That's the idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, TC Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two. Oh, yeah. Talking a lot of Raiders in hour number one. You heard from Mark Davis, Josh McDaniel, Dave Ziegler, and then also Steve Berline talking about Championship Sunday and his thoughts on the Raider moves. Hour number two. We continue. More NFL talk. Chuck Esposito will join us at the bottom of the hour from the sportsbook perspective. What a wild scene it was in the sportsbook, especially over at Red Rock on Sunday. So we'll talk to Chuck about that. And as we mentioned yesterday, with the biggest handled weekends again, just coming off the biggest handle of, of all time from a sportsbook perspective in 2021, it's only going to get bigger and better in the Super Bowl, less than two weeks away. But right now we talk about Tom Brady making that retirement uh, official with our friend, our man on the scene, as we say. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, we need to go to that to, to that to that camera, that guy standing outside of a Raymond James Stadium with the uh, you know the the break not the breaking news sounder but the, you know there and there he is with his hand you know over his ear kind of like Gary Owens back in the day on the laugh in boy that's an old school reference he is the one he is the only T J Reeves that's your my intro. goodness it is 
Always good to be with you, my friend. And it has happened. Tom Brady has made it official. So Champa Bay is uh, is hurting a little bit here today, but ready, I guess, to move forward without TB12. Yes. Okay. So let's reset the story here. Now we're getting up Saturday morning, and you know we're hearing <laughs> that uh, Tom Brady, you know, has officially retired via. You know, social media, ESPN has got it on the crawl per Adam Schefter and and uh, your other buddy down there. And they're saying, oh, it, it's it's a done deal. Next thing you know, we've got uh, the obituaries happening. We got the tributes going. I mean, it's all okay. Tom Brady's retiring. And then uh, on Sunday, the tributes are still airing. They're going crazy. But then there's some other media outlets that are thinking like, okay, maybe this isn't happening. We have not heard from Tom Brady, have not heard anything official from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think there's some doubt that's creeping in from some fans and some other media outlets. And then yesterday, uh, I'm a regular listener to the Let's Go on Sirius XM with Larry Fitzgerald, Jim Gray, and Tom Brady. And I specifically wanted to hear what uh, Jim was going to ask Tom and what Tom was going to say. And sure enough, I'm listening to it live, and uh, I'm hearing Tom you know, Brady uh, uh, talking about his situation, and this is what we heard. Enjoying the decompressing and, and the football season is six months straight. So was, um, you know, your body's kind of figuring out what to do because it's not getting prepped for a game. You know, it's a good week for me, and I'm just still going through the process that I said I was going through. So sometimes it, it takes some time to really evaluate how you feel and what you want to do. And, and uh, I think when the time's right, I'll be ready to make a decision one way or another, just like I said last week. You know, I'm responsible for what I say and do and, um, and not responsible for what others say or do. So, again, I think one thing I've learned about sports is, you, you know, you control what you can control. And, you know, what you can't, you leave to others. So. You know, everyone I know is we're in such an era of, you know, information and, and you know, people want to be, um, you know, in front of the news often. And I totally understand that. I understand that's the environment we're in. Um, but I think for me, I'm just literally it's day to day with me. I'm just trying to do the best I can every day and, you know, make uh, evaluate things as they come and, you know, trying to make a great decision for me and my family. I don't know what different intentions are. And again, it's... Um, you know, not for me to control those things. So I don't know. I know when the time's right. So like I've always said, it's, you know, I'm very blessed to play as long as I had, you know, as, as, as things have gone on in the later parts of my career, whether that was five years ago or, you know, even this year, you know, there's a lot of interest in when I'm going to stop playing. And I understand that. I don't, it's not that I don't recognize that just when I, when I know I'll know. And when I don't know, I don't know. And I'm not going to, you know, race to some conclusion about that. My motivation for, for playing football is to is to win and be successful. And maybe there's little parts of motivation that come from different places or what people may say or think. But mo- I'm mostly motivated from uh, inside and, you know, wanting to be the best for my teammates and my coaches and my organization. So you know, that's kind of where my motivation has been for a long time. And at different times, you use different techniques and tools to put yourself in the right frame of mind. But, you know, for me, it's just always being the best I could be. And that's how I've always wanted to be for my teammates. I think I just said I'm going to take it, you know, day by day. It really is. I'll take it by the moments and, and figure out when, you know, I feel really confident to allow people to, you know, who I, I understand my decision affects a lot of people's lives. So when that decision comes, it'll come. 
All right, that is Tom Brady on Let's Go from SiriusXM, courtesy of the NFL radio network that airs each and every Monday evening. So nothing about retiring there, TJ, just a lot of rhetoric about, hey, I'll know when I know. And then fast forward, going about 12 hours uh, later (laughs) this morning, we get a release on social media that he's retiring. Still haven't heard from Brady. Still haven't heard from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What transpired here, my friend? Help me out, the man in Tampa Bay. I am always here to try to sort things out for the doctors. So, again, on Saturday, I'll just give you a little peek into our world. We've gone for Saturday morning donuts, as you see on social media and those that follow yes. me. I love to go get the donuts with the twins. Yes. We've gone to get the donuts. We're back. We're at the house. There's college basketball on. We're talking about what we're doing a little later in the afternoon. I take the dog out. I take the dog out to go to the bathroom. I come back in, and one of the twins goes, hey, Tom Brady retired. And I said, I said, what are you talking about? She goes, they just announced it on the basketball game. Tom Brady retired. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Hey, great. Now it's blinking on the bottom of the ESPN. Well, hold, let me crawl. stop you right there. First yeah. of all, first of all, kudos to the twins, not only for breaking news, but getting you to get them donuts each and every Saturday yes. morning. And then yes. they're breaking the news. And more importantly, they're watching college basketball on a Saturday. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and it's allegedly their dog, and yet I'm the one caretaking for the dog, but that's another discussion yeah, that's for true. another day. That's so true. nonetheless, they point out that this is this is being said. You know, Adam Schefter now appears on halftime of the basketball game. It's, it's on everywhere. And then Brady, again, in the chronology, called the Bucks GM, Jason Light, called Bruce Arians and said, I have not made up my mind yet, and that he had, he, this was premature. Uh, Brady's father told San Francisco media, he's not made up his mind yet. I talked to him this morning. <laughs> So, obviously, as it turns out, now that we have days for all of it to go on, he was still trying to figure out how and when to do this. It it probably leaked from somebody, if you had to guess, with connection to his social media team, his marketing people, or whomever that knew he was preparing this kind of a statement. And so... that The podcast thing, everybody was all hyped up to hear what he might or might not say. And again, Jim Gray was asking him. You were playing the answers. Jim Gray was asking him, what's going to go through your decision process to come back or not? You know, can you end on a loss? He asked him about losing to the Rams. And you heard the stock answers. You heard the New England Patriot way answers of give you nothing. I'm, I'm just going to give you all the cliches. And and then I'm, I'm, I dropped the twins off at school this morning, Eastern time. I'm on the phone with a buddy of mine, and the phone starts to explode. Not literally, mm-hmm. with... Hey, it's out. He's retiring. I'm hearing from Buccaneer people. I'm hearing from other media people in other markets. Can I get you on my show? I'm saying to the friend of mine, okay, I've got to figure out what's going on. And then, TC, you know how this goes now with these guys trying to control their own messaging and their own stuff on social media. That was like a novel of of stuff on social media to try to read and digest. And so he's made it official. The Bucks have congratulated him. Bruce Arians has congratulated him. The Patriots have congratulated him. So it appears that TB12 is done. After 22 years and stepping to the Bucks for two of those, the last two of those, it's done. I, I will be able to say, apparently, that I was there, standing right there, as Mike Evans caught his final touchdown pass right in front of me over the top of Jalen Ramsey. And how about Jalen Ramsey putting it on social media earlier this morning that, hey, 
uh, Tom Brady threw his last touchdown pass over me. He's famous <laughs> forever yeah. on that move. So there you go. Yeah. And Jalen Ramsey's also saying, and Robbie Gold uh, continued his uh, field goal streak over me as well. Uh-huh. And I decided I was going to get in his face at the end of the first half. How about that? Yeah. So Jalen Ramsey, yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I just. I, and by the way, Brady did throw, I mean, uh, Evans did throw the ball in the stands again. So a fan in the south end zone of Raymond James Stadium has Brady's last touchdown ball. Wow. Now, whether they can authenticate it in verify it is a whole nother argument but the bucks don't have it evans doesn't have it brady doesn't have it his last touchdown there so, it is all FYI. right all right there you go so that means no more uh, tj reeves uh, trying to uh, track down footballs in the uh, south end zone or wherever <laughs> uh, under underneath the 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 ship or whatever no more tj reeves uh at the boat parade and uh you know describing yep. uh tom brady to uh, cameron Brait, uh you know with the trophy yeah your days are over my friend that's it and, and for bucks fans now they knew that this was going to be a short-lived Brady era yeah we all knew that right so what are the what are the Bucks fans reaction to finally hearing this I think by and large most everybody I hear was holding out hope that he was going to change his mind and do the Michael Jordan last dance that you and I have talked about I think on your show at least last week after the Rams loss you know, would he come back one more year, announce it publicly, bring Gronk back one more year, let's let's do it together, let's go out and try to win a Super Bowl together. Because clearly his physical play at the end of, of this season shows he can still play. Now you can't look into a crystal ball and say, will it hold up seven or eight months from now? If he takes the wrong hit, you know, what happens? We, we None of us can predict that. He can't predict that. Nobody knows. But, man, his play did not drop off. He's still making all the throws. He threw for 5,000 yards. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 43 touchdowns. So it looked like he could play. So the answer for Buck fan is they were holding out hope as Sunday became Monday, Monday became Monday night, and he didn't announce it on the podcast, that maybe he is waffling here and maybe he wants to play. But I think at the end of this is Giselle, the kids, and you're going to have to take this step, whether you do it right now, a year from now, I don't think anybody really believed much more than the next year. But you're going to take the next step to do whatever it is that you're going to do now with the rest of your life and your career, whether it's TV, uh, whatever it is. Maybe it's owning a team at some point. There's food for thought on a Tuesday on the doctor's show in the desert. I don't know. But he's apparently started that timetable. Here we go. So let's let's analyze this. And you hit some key points there. Which that a lot of people thought that he was going to continue his career because of the fact, like you said, an MVP type year, whether he gets it or not. In my opinion, he should get it over Aaron Rodgers, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Bottom line is five thousand yards, forty three touchdowns, still deep run into thirteen win season, thirteen win season, deep run into the playoffs, no question about that. And this is coming off where Tom Brady had said, hey, I might want to play until my late 40s or until I'm 50, as long as I'm healthy, enjoying having fun. Again, he's not going to have to learn a new playbook. This guy brought the Patriots playbook with him to Bruce Arians, and they changed things over. I mean, everything kind of seemed in place. Still had all of his faculties together. Still very, very healthy for the most part. But again, you know, you're know, you covering this guy on a weekly basis if not a daily basis here was there some thought as you crept towards the end of the season that 
okay, this could be it for Brady? Or like, no way, I, I can see him playing at least one or two more years. What was your gut telling you as you're watching him play and you're seeing him in, you know, in practices and, and everything else? All right, so as somebody that is willing to confess, and so oftentimes in the sports media, sports radio, whatever, everybody flees and runs away from opinions that were wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that about the doctor. I'm saying that about others. Right. I am the first one to admit I never thought he'd play anywhere other than New England. It was New England or retirement, so I got that one wrong. And then, and thankfully, then he ends up here. So I believe after that Rams game, unfinished business. My gut told me, still healthy, can still go win a Super Bowl with the talent that he has around him. It certainly was not his fault at the end of that Rams divisional round game that they could not hold the, the Rams one more time with half a minute to go and force the overtime where he very likely gets the chance to win the game. And then you're playing in the NFC title game. So I, I really believed unfinished business, he would be back, got that wrong. Uh, there's, there's, again, uh, no indication from a physical standpoint that that's what the reason is here. This is obviously the emotional part. You know, Brett Favre said this too, and you spent a lot of time in Green Bay, and Favre talked about it and a couple of other players have talked about it. If it was just simply line up, prepare, and play the games during the season, we could all play a lot longer. But it's much more than that now. It's year-round. It's you've got to stay in shape. The hits that you take, the recovery time becomes longer and longer from all of it. That, that it is the process in the off-season. It's the therapeutic process of trying to withstand the hits and the punishment that, yes, they did back in the old days. But, but nowadays, they're bigger, faster, they hit harder. Favre talked about that, that it's not as simple as show up in August and be ready to play. It is basically year-round. And maybe that was part of it, too, that full commitment that they have seen as a family, you know, the last five, six years, he's just not wanting to do that anymore. Very real possibility that that's the case. It's certainly not the football capability. Right. That's not the reason. Right. And going back to Brett, I mean, the, the problem with, with Brett is, is like the, the rules were so much different when he played. You got to remember, he took yep. those poundings. I mean, got to remember, he was the focal point. He was the target of Bounty Gate. He was Sean yep. Payton's target and how he got beat up. You know, that last uh, game, you know, with uh, the, when he's NFC with the Vikings. Game, right? Oh, NFC my goodness. Game, right? I mean, it was, it, was, it was insane, you know. So, yeah. Uh, but Tom Brady seemed to be standing up right for the most part. He seemed, again, had a good offensive line in front of him for the most part. Good running game, good wide receivers. And, yeah, if you were going to believe that somebody was going to be able to continue for another year or two, and, again, if the Bucks weren't very good, I could see him saying, okay, enough's enough. But, yeah, to me, this just seems more like a family decision. It's not an organizational decision because the, the decision to leave New England definitely was an organizational decision. There was something there between him and the Patriots. does not seem like that's the case at all there with the Buccaneers. It seems like this is more Giselle. This is more family. This is, you know, the time. And I'm sure that he was conflicted and you know, whether he felt pressure or not to make that move sooner than later. Here's what I want to say about Tom Brady that I don't hear many people saying at all, TJ. And here's what I love about Tom Brady. He does not get the respect for basically sacrificing himself. And what I mean by that is he sacrifices a paycheck. 
in the last four or five, maybe even six seasons, he has taken less money than maybe what he deserves or what he commanded or what top quarterbacks or the top quarterback in all of football could command because he gave back to the greater good to basically get free agents, to get weapons around him, to get people to protect him on the offensive line. And nobody talks about that, but that is a 100% fact that Tom Brady was not in this for the money. He wasn't out to be like Aaron Rodgers and some of these other ham and eggers to say, hey, you know, I, I, I want to be the highest paid player at my position. That was not Tom Brady. So kudos to Tom Brady for exiting on his own terms, being the greatest of all time, but also sacrificing his own paycheck year in and year out. And that was part of the departure in New England, where he was he was basically saying, I am sacrificing, I'm reworking my deal, I'm taking less money, and why do we not have better players to help us win on offense in particular? Uh, and I believe it became a grind. He wanted to change the scenery, and man, as you know, what a change of scenery Florida can be. You're obviously in a, in a destination uh, there that is tremendous. It's, it's got a lot of appeal. You know, whether you're talking about Southern California, you're, whether you're talking about Arizona where people love to go to retire, there's different places you can go where it's just different than what the Northeast is right now or the upper Midwest is right now where they're getting a blizzard tonight and, and over the weekend. And you know from being in Green Bay again. So Brady gets down here and realizes, holy cow, the lifestyle, the weather, the lack of traffic, the, 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 different, the different things that you almost never understood, you don't have to have all of this in major metropolitan northeastern cities. The, the way of life, the quality of life was different down here. And so I think uh, you know, a lot of people find that to be very appealing, and, and that's, that's maybe even replacing money, salary. Now, he was commanding you know, NFL top quarterback average money at the high end, $28, $30 million a year, but the Buccaneers had done a tremendous job of stockpiling talented players already to make that part easier as well. But I think, I think that ultimately at the end of this, he proved his point, obviously, in 2020 that he could win it somewhere else and proved it immediately. And remember, very famously on the field, NFL Films had it. They, they show it in the Super Bowl DVD, et cetera, where his wife, where Giselle's hugging him and going, what more do you have to prove? Right. She's hugging him and kissing him and going, what more do you have to prove? And that made a lot of people believe she's going to win out and he's not going to play a second year. But he chose to play a second year. T.J. Reeves joins us from Tampa Bay, the Bucks sideline reporter, talking about the retirement of Tom Brady official this morning. All right, that means what? Kyle Trask? Or is it back to the revolving door of quarterbacks that we saw in Tampa right. for at least over a decade? What do you think? Well, let me put this out there a couple of different ways. Number one, Trask. Number two, pick. Second round pick uh, last year. And he's used to sitting behind quarterbacks. He sat for two years at the University of Florida behind their quarterback, Felipe Franks. And then I think he made the most of his one season as the quarterback two years ago where he smashed all kinds of Florida Gator records and a couple of SEC records with all of his touchdowns and all of his yards. So Trask uh, definitely has been patient in the past. What's also interesting is Bruce Arians was saying two years ago when the discussion was, are you bringing Jameis Winston back or not? He kept saying, we have to look at what's behind door number two. Well, Bruce said the same thing a couple of days ago um, about, you know, really last week in the wrap up. We got to we got to check if Tom Brady's not playing. We got to check what's behind door number two. So is door number two 
a prominent big-name quarterback? Do they have to trade for one in this instance? Or are they willing to go for it with Kyle Trask and look at guys like Matt Jones in New England, Tua in his second year in Miami, Justin Herbert, who's been playing all along, but his second year with the Chargers. These are all guys that are examples that had success right away playing because Herbert was good last year as a rookie. And Mac Jones, obviously good this year as a rookie. Uh, Tyler Murray had some success at a limited basis, won six or seven games a couple of years ago as a rookie. So Kyle Trask now has a year where he sat and watched the GOAT uh, up close and personal, meeting room, practice field, et cetera. Now let's see if they turn it over to him, at least in the short term, to see what they have here. He's big. He's a pocket passer. They have some weapons. It may be Kyle Trask time, Doctor. You know, when you talk about what's behind door number two, uh, mm-hmm. you are a lovely Carol Merrill, by the way. I, uh, I, I guess I could be Monty Hall. There it is. But there you go. There's an old school reference for you. Let's make a deal. Uh, but that reminds me of Sean Payton. When Sean Payton knew that Drew Brees was eventually going to be leaving, who was he touting? Taysom Hill. He kept saying, I right. love Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is our guy. He's got. That didn't work out this past year where that Taysom Hill wasn't even the starting quarterback there. So I think you got to be careful, especially when you're touting a guy like maybe Kyle Trask. He is totally unproven. And I know you, you go back to the, the Buccaneers revolving door of quarterbacks. I mean, it could be that way. And, you know, where the quarterback is such, you know, a, a commodity that well, let's, you need. Let's clear something up. Let's clarify something. All right, so Taysom Hill was a pretty good quarterback playing at BYU. He was more of an athlete, a Swiss Army knife mm-hmm. that could run more so than stand in the pocket. Physical player, had actually played some tight end and receiver in high school and college. That was always deemed to be, okay, he's a project to turn him into a star NFL quarterback. Trask is a quarterback, first and foremost and always, and has proven it, by the way, in the SEC which has the elite talent of college football, the best NFL talent is in that conference every year, and he proved it for what it's worth in that conference, just like Tua, just like Mac Jones, uh, just like Joe Burrow. How's he still doing now in year two? I left him out a moment ago. So I think that's what the Buccaneers may look at here. Uh, I mean, Peyton was trying to sell that. But you had a long way to go to get anybody to believe, and you were you were at the forefront of this. I remember even a year ago saying, this is a mistake. What are they doing? Why are they taking Drew Brees out of the game and having this guy play quarterback? I remember you saying that over and over yeah. again with me. Because because stuff. Peyton was so saying that. this is that. not the same thing with Trash. I know, but, my point but Peyton that. was saying, he goes, he is our heir apparent. He is the, I love this guy. He is going to be the heir apparent. And there he is. What do you want, TJ Reese? Do you want the box? Or do you want what's behind curtain number two? God, take the box. Take the, no, the curtain. The box. The curtain. Take the sausage. What are you going to do, TJ Reeves? What, what was behind door number two for Sean Payton? Deuces. I'm out. I'm leaving. That's what's behind door number two for him in the second year of the Taysom Hill experiment. And TJ Reeves, you're going home with... A cow named Bertha. That's what you're going yes. That would be the Zonk. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And the toilet. <laughs> and by the way, Ray, Wayne Brady is the modern-day host of Let's Make a Deal. This is true. Still going. Not nearly as famous as uh, Carol Merrill and Monty Hall and that hairdo back in the uh, day. Absolutely. You sure, you sure Carol, Merrill st- Carol Merrill still isn't there behind Wayne Brady? I don't know. I mean, Vanna White's still know, around. The Bucks may be looking for what's behind door number two. We'll they, see. They might. Okay, so uh, the obvious question, I think we know this. Uh, Gronk soon to follow this announcement coming? Oh, I think so. I think that's a foregone conclusion. 
just because they were a tag team, mm-hmm. like wrestling, like we talk about. I don't, I don't think he's playing anywhere else to catch anything else from any other quarterback. He proved his point, came out of retirement after a year. Remember, the Bucks did trade a draft pick. They swapped uh, draft picks with the Patriots and let the Patriots move up like two rounds in the draft on a draft pick swap uh, to let Gronk out of his deal with New England to come down here, and, and that worked out famously. I mean, I still say, I've said this a couple of times now, on conversations that I've been having, and I repeat it to you here because I think you and I talked about it. When people ask me what is what is the moment that you're going to take away from all of this, it is a, it is about 50 weeks ago now, standing at Raymond James Stadium, which was surreal enough. The Buccaneers are hosting the Super Bowl, and the other surreal thing is there's like 45,000 cardboard cutouts instead of people in the stadium. It was crazy. And then if it doesn't get any more surreal, there's Tom Brady throwing a touchdown right in front of me. As I'm covering the game from the front row, we're not allowed to be on the field. And and it's a Buccaneer touchdown pass, Tom Brady to Gronk, to Rob Gronkowski. And I just, I had a moment where I'm standing there going, am I really here watching this? Beyond the twilight zone, how surreal is this? That's the one I'll take away. Is Gronk reunited with Brady in Buccaneer colors, catching a pass in the Super Bowl in Tampa, who could write that script, brother? This is true. All right, TJ Reeves. So the breaking news right now, uh, you could be the first to get your money down at the sportsbook. Uh, the over-under win total, what is that going to be on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year? Is it five and a half? Numchuck's putting five and a half on oh, the board. It's going to be more than that. <laughs> we know it's that. Be, it, was, know. Well, it was like a 17-game schedule. It was like 11 last year, right, or 11 and a half. Yeah, but yeah, that so was with Tom Brady. At least, Minus I'll Tom Brady. This, it's going to be at least eight. It's going to be at least eight. Remember, 17-game schedule, it'll be like eight or eight and a half for the Bucks. <laughs> That's sad, isn't it, when you really think about that, that you're talking about below 500 now. I, I think you're going back to that. I mean, seriously, what is the relevancy – of the Bucks going forward. I'm not saying that to be cruel or a joke here, but this is how much this guy means. Well, I mean, you have to look at it like this. Is there a big name that they trade for or go grab? Everybody down here is talking about Aaron Rodgers. I don't think there's <laughs> any way that happens. I, I think he ends up in Denver if he's not retired, and that's it. So then who's the other name? Are here you trading for Russell Why Wilson? are we still – why are people still having and, this conversation about the Packers are not going to trade Aaron Rodgers? He still has time right. left on his contract, and I well, hear right. this so all the time. what happens with that? Do the Bucs trade for Russell Wilson of the Seahawks? Do they trade for another quarterback? I don't know. Yeah. So what's available, we'll see. Um, I, I, again, at the risk of being considered a homer or being biased – I want to see Kyle Trask because I saw enough of him at the University of Florida with the weapons the Buccaneers have that the Bucs can function and succeed. It's not going to be like the Saints playing 1980s high school football of line up with tight ends, hand it to Alvin Kamara, play defense, and let's hope we beat people 9-7. to It's not going to be that in Tampa Bay with Trask. We'll see. So it's not going to be like the Saints single wing formation. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly, or what Belichick did to Buffalo that night in the wind on Monday Night Football where they were trying to throw the ball one time total in the game to win it. Mm-hmm. Not, the, not the same. We'll see. It's definitely different. It's definitely a gut punch for the Buccaneer fans, but I think overall you're reflecting on you won a Super Bowl and you had Tom Brady for two years here, and it's arguably the two greatest years mm-hmm. back-to-back in the history of the franchise right. in terms of wins, the interest, the national TV games. I mean, every, everybody was paying attention to everything this team did. So how can you have regrets about that? There you go. All right, he is T.J. Reeves, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter, talking about the official retirement announcement by Tom Brady today via 
social media a series of uh, of tweets that he uh, sent out uh, today, and we'll see what happens with the the Buccaneers. Good stuff. All right, uh, as we get ready for a very busy, exciting weekend here in Las Vegas. I mean, you've got the NHL All Star Game, you've got the Pro Bowl, you've got the East West Shrine Game taking place on Thursday, and we've got a fight, my friend, with someone that you're familiar with. Uh, does anybody yes. in Florida care about Keith Thurman fighting Mario Barrios here in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay, the Michelob Ultra Arena? Your boy, Keith Thurman, finally getting in the ring again. Clearwater, Florida's Keith Thurman. That's Lifelong right. Buccaneer fan. See, Keith, that's why. Now, you see, Thurman, I mean, way. what other host is going to bring that up to you? See, connecting the dots like I do. I knew that'd get a reaction. You're fantastic. Yeah. Yes, Clearwater's very own. They are giving it some local attention right now. Because, again, he's a guy that had a lot of momentum going before the loss to Manny Pacquiao. And, uh, look, we wish him well off the layoff, but a lot of times fighters are rusty, may not have it anymore. There's a lot of unknowns here for Keith Thurman in this fight. And it's a real risk, obviously, for him, because if he's bad and or loses, because Mario Barrios fought well against Javante Davis while we talked boxing for 3.1 seconds. Barrios fought pretty well against Javante Davis the last time we saw him, like May of last year. So if Barrio screws this up and somehow outfights, outpoints Keith Thurman, that that is big trouble for him to ever get back on the big stage again. So there's a lot riding on it. To answer your question, yes, there is some interest here locally in the Tampa Bay area on one time, and we'll see how he does on the uh, on the pay per view coming Thursday. I think everybody's of the same belief. Who who in the world's paying seventy four dollars or sixty nine ninety five or whatever it is for this on pay per view? But I, I'm anxious to see how Keith looks and see if he can get some of the magic back because he had it rolling in the mid-2010s before Manny Pacquiao derailed all of it. Mm, Yes. As far as Berrios goes, I mean, this is a guy that's moving up in weight class, and you know, I think it's going to be tough for him uh, if Thurman is on and to deal with Thurman's power. But how do we know? It's been two and a half years. I know. It's It's true. It's been 31 months when he steps in the ring. This is what what he's always done. He's always been injured or using injury as a a claim to move a fight back or whatever, but those are another story by itself. So there you have it. We'll... uh, We'll have a little eye on that at the Michelob Ultra Arena coming up this weekend. All right, TJ, appreciate the time as well. We, you've missed your dinner hour. I mean, I, I'm sure that, that Mrs. Reeves is irate right the now. Burgers, the burgers, tater tots, and, make, and baked beans have already been consumed in the other room. Leftover plate uh, for me. But uh, I'm always good to be with you, even in the dinner hour here in the East, my Wait, friend. Whatever I, you need. I don't know how that sounds. Uh, burgers, tater tots, and then the beans. That sounds like a prison meal. What's going on there? Is that, are we back at the Longest Yards in Everglades, Florida, with Paul the Wrecking Crew? There it is, with Caretaker and Company. And you know I'm talking about the original, 1974. Yeah, I'm not talking about that yeah. nonsense. That's right. That's some great Florida football back there. Actually, I believe they're in, in prison in Georgia. But take your pick. You know, maybe there it is. Yep. Yeah, who knows? Could have been. We'll have to dissect that. Uh, <laughs> I will go eat some leftover dinner. There you you be well on the rest of your Tuesday, and whenever the doctor needs me, I'm here to answer the call. And I just vice I, versa. I don't, I don't know that I can top Tom Brady retiring. We got to work something to do that again on the next time. We'll yeah, th- that's true. I mean, do we have any more use for T.J. Reeves? I mean, the Buccaneers—they might not be relevant anymore. I mean, you know, T.J. Reeves wasn't appearing <laughs> on the show count regularly. That one out. He wasn't appearing don't regularly with Jameis Winston. One out. We will see. Yeah. Unless Jameis Winston is going back for some more crab legs, I don't know. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see what happens, my friend. All right. Hey, great stuff. Really appreciate you. We appreciate your thoughts on, on Brady and all the Buccaneers coverage uh, that you've delivered to us all season long, my friend. Uh, so enjoy the offseason. We'll start talking some college basketball as well now, too. So we look forward to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look forward to it with the doctor. You boys be well in the desert. Take care. There is TJ Reeves, the Bucks sideline reporter. All right, we come back. Chuck Esposito is going to join us from Red Rock. We talk sportsbook. We talk Super Bowl odds and more. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. All right, glad to have you with us here on this Tuesday. Been covering a lot of NFL uh, Raiders with Josh McDaniel and Dave Ziegler. The new era begins. And, of course, the Tom Brady retirement. Uh, appreciate T.J. Reeves joining us live from Tampa Bay uh, regarding that. And, of course, Steve Berline and the championship Sunday. Now a quick look ahead to Super Bowl 56. Looking forward to that. And uh, the hype has begun. And uh, nobody knows that better than our great friend Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. What's going on, my man? It's all good, TC. It's just uh, fun. It's kind of the, the calm a little bit before the storm, the, the playoffs. I mean, the wild card round, you saw a lot of favorites. After that, the puppies were barking loud. Every game was, you know, so close to the end. It's just been fun. Uh, from our side of the counter, we're just excited about it. We're putting more and more props up every day. Uh, packets about halfway uh, complete. And uh, just a fun time of year for our side of the counter at GA Sportsbook. Championship Sunday, always great. And like you mentioned, the 200 dogs cover. We'll talk about that in a minute, Chuck. But uh, talk about the atmosphere. Was it as, as exciting as that weekend before the divisional round, which we talked about those four games could not be compared to anything else that we've previously seen? How was the excitement in the book this past weekend? It was crazy fun. I think when you look at the first game, you know, you've heard me reference before the David against Goliath matchup. And although it was a championship game for the AFC, it was David against Goliath. You had, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs who had been there in back-to-back years and that high-powered offense and the popularity of the Chiefs who were, when you looked at our big board, our favorite, our number one team uh, on our future book last year when we posted our packet against a team that was the fourth team from the bottom. Only the Bengals, or excuse me, only the Texans, Lions, and Jags were below the Bengals. So when you were talking about David against Goliath, this was it. And it was 21-3 going into halftime. They could have made it 24 or 28-3. They don't take points. They end up going into the locker room 21-3. And, man, did David come out slinging it in the second half. (laughs) No doubt. Uh, the Bengals, part of the two dogs that, that covered, that usually means uh, good days for the books. I'm sure it was. How was it, and, and where where was the uh, that money at? I mean, was it uh, did you get a lot of Bengals and 49er money? Oh, we did. I, I think in the Bengal game, the, the real key for that game was keeping it under. I know we chatted last week, and we posted that total, mm-hmm. you know, industry-wide in the 50 to 51 range. It was bet up to 54, 55. I mean, the guests quickly told us that you guys are crazy. The way these two teams played the first game, the Bills-Chiefs game we just saw, there is a premium offense between, uh, between Burrow and Mahomes, and this game's going over. Keeping that game under, especially the way that it started, really was paramount, I think, as an industry and for, for our side of the counter. Uh, in the second game, there was a lot of Niner action. We clearly were Ram fans. 
Best-case scenario was Rams win, but uh, by one, two, or three, and that's exactly what occurred. So overall, a uh, pretty good day for our side of the counter. I'll tell you what's pretty good, Chuck. You set this number at 50 or, you know, 50 and a half, 51. It lands right there at 27-24, and it did, uh, you know, come in the under. It looked like the line was uh, probably set to where it needed to be as far as that total. I'm sorry, which total, TC? The, 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 the Chiefs game, right? We were talking about that, that Chiefs game going yeah, under. Yeah, but, 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 I, but I think that you, know, you look at the fact that they scored 65 points right. you know, late in the season, and then you know, the way that the Bills and Chiefs scored 27 points in two minutes, I understand the thought process. I wasn't stunned you know, that it went up. We even kind of talked about it that, God, this total does look a little bit low, but um, you know, we shaded it up, and they still bet it that way. Right. Um, but you know, those two teams are really dynamic offensively, though. Yeah, and like I said, it, it lands there at 51, so uh, the under good for the books there. How much liability did you guys, you know, have with Kansas City and San Francisco as far as the futures went? None. Not, none with Kansas City. Hmm. We were actually in really good shape with Kansas City, and I think that goes back to, you know, usually the teams with low odds at the beginning of the season, you don't get a lot of action on. I think they're looking for, you know, kind of some value and who's that sleeper team and who's the team that could potentially go from worst to first. Um, you know, the 49ers, after that, uh, you know, starting off 2-0, and they lost four straight games. They were above 200-1. to so they were the team that did present some liability. Um, and it wasn't that, you know, um, it was just, you know, sharp action. It was just the fact that, hey, they were over 200 to 1 after six weeks, and they didn't look like a very good football team. Uh, so that's really where the liability stood of the four teams uh, was more with the Niners, and that occurred when they were, uh, you know, upwards of 200 to 1 after six weeks. And what about the future tickets on Cincinnati and the Rams? Any liability there for you guys as we head into the Super Bowl? You know, not as much, actually, in pretty good shape with both teams. I think, you know, again, with the Rams, they were a team that was the 10th team on our future book board, but that was adjusted really, really quickly because I think we put it up, like, on the 27th last year of January. Within two days um, was the trade for Matt Stafford, um, so those lines dropped. And I think when you look at Cincinnati, just a lot of non-believers. Don't forget during the season, you know, they lost an overtime game um, at home to, to the 49ers. They struggled at home with Minnesota, the Chargers. They were a better road team than they were a home team. And, again, it's the Bengals we're talking about. They're more of a team that people, you know, laugh at than, than talk highly of. But, um, hey, you look at Burrow, and he's got a chance to be the only guy to win the Heisman, win a national championship, be the first overall pick in the draft, and hoist a Lombardi. Pretty special in a two-year period. No doubt. And a great point, Chuck. When you talk about where the Bengals were, your bottom four, and talk about being laughable, I mean, yeah, they were in that same conversation as the Lions and, and, and Texans and teams of that nature, you know? Heck, we were probably talking more about the Bears, your Bears, more than we were talking about the Bengals going back in September. Wow, that's a low blow. But yeah, we probably were. We probably were. Bears. <laughs> Bear down. Hey, Bear down. That was, a, that was actually a compliment. I said we were talking more about the Bears. The Bears were a little high, a little more highly rated than the Bengals. So it was kind of a, a compliment. A little bit. There a little bit. 
There you go. Chuck Esposito joins us over from uh, Red Rock as we're talking about Championship Sunday. Exciting weekend again uh, in the books, of course. And uh, the Bengals and the Rams will meet in the Super Bowl. All right, the opening line, Chuck, we saw three and a half Rams coming up uh, last Sunday night. This thing got quickly bet up. Uh, Give us some thoughts on the opening line and how quickly that line moved with the money coming in. Yeah, I mean, it stood there for a while, TC. Um, it opened at four, and it's picked up a little bit. But, hey, it's the, it's the big game. We're going to see action, and it's going to move at some point. But overall, really good two-way action on it so far. All right. So is there some early money coming in on the Rams? <laughs> um, there is a little bit more, say, Rams and Ram money line, and, but more so on the under, but nothing significant yet. I'm losing my voice. I'm yeah. talking about it so much. We um, <laughs> take 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 a t- take a TV timeout, my friend. Get some water. There I you go. We'll take a twenty. We'll take a twenty if you need it. There it is. <laughs> All right, Chuck Esposito is hydrated now. We hope, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. <laughs> All good. Yeah, I think you know you're going to see the bulk of the action come in in the 72 hours leading up to kickoff. So we've only kind of scratch the surface right now. You're going to have a full packet of props that make it fun. Um, this is a huge event, and there's no question about it. It doesn't matter who's playing in it. It's still the Super Bowl, and that's why I think we'll have a phenomenal handle on it that day. Yeah, you know that the Bengals, they're, they're not one of those public teams that we've seen, you know, with like the Chiefs and the Packers and the Niners <clears throat> and the Cowboys. And, and so now you're getting this team, like you said, I mean, basically fourth from the bottom. Do you expect a lot of Bengals backers? I mean, these guys come out of the woodwork thinking that, okay, Boomer Esiason's back in the 80s because, really, that was the last time this team was even relevant, Chuck. And, and I mean, this team has really been dormant. And, I mean, you know, people really haven't even shown up to Paul Brown Stadium over the last 10 years. You know, I think, again, it's the Super Bowl, and you've got a team that is super dynamic on offense. With It's not just Burrow. It's Jamar Chase. It's Higgins. It's Boyd. It's Uzama, it's Mixon. Uh, you've got a young quarterback that's got a lot of kind of uh, moxie to him, um, you know, smoking the cigars in the locker room and kind of the a little bit more of the flamboyant look to him. I think it's it's fun. You've got a very popular big market team against a smaller market team. You've got a prototypical offense against defense. Rams were built to win it now. Uh, you know, what they've done with no number one picks, since 2016, not another number one pick till 2024. That should be my next prop is will the Rams hold on to that first round pick in 2024 because that's not their M.O. Um, you know, the big deals of going out and getting Jalen Ramsey and Stafford and OBJ and, and Von Miller where the Bengals have drafted Higgins and Boyd and Uzama and Mixon and, and Burrow. You've got two kind of contracts there. But I think it's fun. You know, you have Zach Taylor who was the, the offensive coordinator for uh, – for the, the Rams the last time they played in the big game. So there's some fun kind of storylines to it as well. It doesn't matter, again, what teams are in it. It's the Super Bowl. It's, you know, two teams that, you know, have played their hearts out all year long to get to this point. And it's kind of crazy that, you know, no home team had ever played in their home stadium in 54 years, and now it's happened in back-to-back years. But, uh, hey, I'm looking forward to it. I'm happy to root for whoever we need when they kick off in a little over 10 days. Yeah, I agree with you, Chuck, and I actually said this yesterday, too, that don't you get the feeling that 
you know, the NFL is in such a good place right now, just with its fans and betters and just everything, the excitement that we're seeing just week in and week out with, with all of the games, that at this point in time, you're right. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter who is in the game because now we expect this excitement and we expect the underdogs, I mean, more so than ever now because we've seen it over the last couple seasons where the underdogs really rise to the occasion. Remember back in the day, there would be these type of Super Bowl matchups where we would have like double-digit spreads and people say, well, the Super Bowl is really anticlimactic. We went through that for a, a period of time. I don't think anybody is thinking that. And if you go turn back the clock, say 10 years, you with an all-star cast, a free agent cast like the Rams have against a, a young team like the Bengals, I mean, 10 years ago, this line could maybe be 13 or 14, you know, and, and it comes out four, like you said. And I think a lot of that is because we are so used to the parody. We're so used to underdogs covering and winning outright. And, yeah, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase have a lot to do with that. But, really, the rest of the Bengals, especially with Zach Taylor, like I mentioned, not household names at all. But, for me, it just points to the direction and where the NFL sits right now as just being such a great product. I mean, you think about it, and I agree with you. You think about it two years ago, they were the worst team in the league, the Bengals. Yep, two you know, wins. They've been kind two of wins. that doormat for, yep. for a long time. And, and I think that even going into next year with the retirement of Brady – and Roethlisberger, um, the potential move of Rodgers. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, so many quarterbacks, that, I mean, so many teams that need a quarterback. I think the entire landscape will change dramatically going into next year. You've got, I think, nine new te- nine teams will have new coaches. Um, and I think from the parity side of it, you're going to even see more of that. But you're right. When you would see a team like the Rams against the Bengals, you would expect this number to be much bigger. But, hey, they've gone into Tennessee they went into Kansas City and trailed 21-3. You have to remember, Patrick Mahomes in his career, 39-2 and against the entire league when he held a lead of 14 points or more. He's 0-2 in that same role against Joe Burrow. Chuck Esposito joins us from Red Rocks. Uh, Chuck, you mentioned props earlier. Uh, how many props are you guys going to have? I know it's it's crazy and it gets more and more year after year. We have this conversation all the time. But talk a little bit about the process of putting these props together. You know, it's really fun for us. I think myself and I can speak for, for Jason McCormick and Jason Symbol and, and Bert Sorencion and our, and our hub team that it's fun for us. You know, we'll sit around and, you know, we kind of brainstorm and we're going through a, a number of stats and analytics and creativity and bouncing things off each other. There's a lot of the, you know, the standard type props, but we love being able to expand our overall wagering menu every single day. And everything that you could see in the packet in the books or, you know, on the board in the books, it's going to be available on SDN Sports on our mobile app. So it's great to have the app. We know how crazy it gets over big game weekend, but, but get the app because you can play all these props. We've got up to the $500 bonus going on right now. Um, but it, it's fun being creative, TC. I think there'll be over a thousand different ways, um, you know, to bet the game. Think about it as you talked about Boomer Esiason. And I'm even going to go back further. The Bengals' first trip to the Super Bowl featured Kenny Jim Anderson, Anderson yep. quarterback. Yep. And he threw for exactly 300 yards. Yep. And, you know, will Joe Burrow against the defense of the Rams break Kenny Anderson's Bengal <laughs> Super Bowl record that day? So we're always trying to look at creativity, stuff tied to the night. Uh, pro basketball, yeah. other hockey, UFC. That's just kind of a, a sample of some of the stuff 
that we're kind of chatting about and brainstorming about now. So I know one thing. When I'm going to go through your your booklet or book, because that's really what it is, when you have all of these props, when I go through and look at your props, Chuck, and I look at maybe some of the craziest ones, I'll know Symbol had something to do with the crazy ones. I, I'll know that for a fact. <laughs> My God. You, you never know. You know, you know it, it's weird, but... You know, this is a, the Chinese calendar. It's the, it's the year of the tiger, which went into effect today. That's right. That's right. I, I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a striped animal playing on the 13th. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, who knows, you know, but uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Symbol a hard time. So I'm sure he'll come up. You know, he wanted us to book uh, uh, what kind of cigar Joe Burrow would be smoking. Of course after, he would. Of course, but you know we can't book that, yeah. so we had to we had to put them in check. But uh, no, we we just like to have fun with it, and you know the more stuff that we can come up, and it's all things that are decided on the field of play, and yes. there's already a good portion of the prop packet out and available on the app and in our books for the guests. Uh, but it, it should be fun finishing this up, and the entire package should be done hopefully by uh, you know the end of day Friday or early Saturday, and I know it becomes a super hot commodity in all of our books. Now, since it does have to be. You know, decided on the field, this prop could come into play here, Chuck. And I don't know if you have this or not, but the symbol would be a great one to set the odds here. Who do you think will be the first artist to perform during the halftime show? Because we know we have an all-star. like got Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar. That's right up Symbol's alley, too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure somebody could know that. So, um, you know, that won't be booked, but those are all so much fun to talk about. Right? And I know that you know, some, some offshore books and, you know, international books might offer us stuff like that. But we're just trying to, again, be so creative and, and kind of think outside the box and do what we're doing right now. Kind of create that water cooler, media chatter, reason for people to grab the packets and talk about. But the bottom line is we want to put a good price up that we think will get two-way auction and make guests think about it a little bit of which way should I go. And that's what really makes it fun for us. I know our good friend Al Bernstein uh, wants to know if you're going to have up, uh, will Snoop Dogg smoke on stage? Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, I, I'd probably say it could be. I'd love to put it up, but it's not going to be up. <laughs> I would say maybe ni- minus 250 to, to the yes on that one, Chuck. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Sounds, sounds like a good price, but uh, uh, that's more of a fun type prop for us exactly. than it is actually a booking prop. All right, man. Hey, we will talk to you next week, and we'll start diving more into uh, the game itself. Like I said, the big event. And real quick, Chuck, uh, events planned uh, at any of the station casino properties uh, for the Super Bowl? Yeah, we're, you know, for, as far as Super Bowl goes, I mean, it, is, it, it sells itself, TC. Mm-hmm. It is just a, a great event at all of our properties. There'll be the you know the overhead audio on you know throughout the casino and the property. Um, every TV anywhere you're at on the properties will will have it on. You know you're not just going to be able to wager in, you know over the counter. We've got the mobile app. We've got kiosks located at all of our properties. Not only the big six, but Wildfire Gaming, the El Cortez, and you know we want guests to have fun. That's why we're getting all this stuff up early. And again, we love it when you guys come out and enjoy everything we have to offer. But it really is a great time to have SDN Sports because yep. you are holding that prop packet, Propatopia in your hand. <laughs> Uh, makes it pretty convenient when it comes to Big Game Sunday. Propatopia, I love it. There it is. That's copywritten by Chuck Esposito, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. That's great. No better place than Station Casinos, uh, the local hangouts. Love them all. All fantastic books, great screens. And, and again, you're not going to be standing in long lines because they got the kiosks, they got everything, and, of course, the STN mobile app. My friend, appreciate you as always. We'll talk with you next week, and uh, we'll diagnose some props and some winners, okay? 
All right. Sounds great, buddy. Look forward to it. Thanks, DC. There he is, Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock, the uh, proprietor over there of uh, all of the station casino properties on the sports and race side, my man Chuck Esposito. All right. I want to thank Steve Berline for joining us today. Appreciate him, of course, with CBS Sports. And you can check out Steve Berline's show, NFL Monday Quarterback, on the television side, CBS Sports Network at 3 o'clock with Rich Gannon and Trent Green, the former quarterbacks. So appreciate him. T.J. Rees from Tampa Bay joined us today. And, of course, Chuck Esposito as well. And uh, go back to the website. If you missed the first hour, you can hear uh, the commentary. Actually, the straight audio from Mark Davis and Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler as the Raiders regime, uh, the new regime, the new era is underway now. Call it Patriots West. Call it whatever you want. But uh, continue to follow the Raiders with the the new hires that they have now as a head coach and general manager. All right, uh, back at it again tomorrow. Trevor Match will be joining us. Uh, our handicappers will be checking in as well, too. So don't you dare go anywhere. More Super Bowl talk and everything else as well, too. For Numchuck, T.C. Martin saying so long, miss any part of the show, you know where to go. T.C. Martin Show.com. We'll hit you tomorrow right here, 2 o'clock.